no intro today. I'm interviewing David Sims. Let's just get to it. Hi there, I'm Tracy, and this is the Essential Stepmom Podcast, your source of unconventional advice and inspiration for the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Is it really an art? You bet. Nobody pops out of the womb with an instinct for step parenting. It's something you practice and get better at, like anything else. And if you found this podcast, it means you're smart enough to look for someone who's been practicing the moves for a long time to stand in your corner and coach you through it. I'll share my wins, my missteps, and my analysis of what worked for my family over the last 14 years and why it could work for you too. If you like this stuff, don't forget to subscribe. And you can get more of me at EssentialStepmom.com. Do the words nacho kids mean anything to you? Probably the stepmoms listening are smiling right now and the dads are feeling like maybe it's the punchline to a joke they didn't catch. That's because they are your kids. Your kids actually are your kids and they're not her kids, your partner, the stepmom. It's a term that was coined by Lori Sims a few years ago, and it's taken on a whole life of its own on the internet. You probably already know that I'm a huge fan of the Nacho Kids method. I'm always telling you to go try out the Nacho Kids Academy, and I'll say it again right now. But first, stick around for a bit and give a listen to what Lori's husband David has to say about how they got into the troubles that learning to Nacho got them out of. Here he is. Hi, David. Hi. David Sims, one of my favorite people. I've never even met you in real life, but that's, that's why I'm one of your favorite people. <laughs> <you've never met. laughs> no, I honestly, I'm so fond of you guys. I met Lori. It's a funny story how I met Lori because I started, I started a Facebook group for stepmoms about three years ago. And, and I invited a lot of people specifically to come in you know I trolled around in other other groups that were already out there I was looking for people who gave good advice I was specifically looking for like I would stop every time I saw some stepmom answering a a post Mm -hmm. with a comment that I thought was really smart and I would personal message that person and say I'm starting a group and I would love it if you would come into my group so that there can be some people to give good advice in Mm -hmm. my group Awesome. And I'm not exactly sure if, if I found Lori in that way, but the funny part is that when I got around to inviting her to do a live stream with me, because of course I knew about, I heard about Nacho Kids and, and I really wanted to talk to her. And so I sort of timidly reached out like to this woman who's like got this like Facebook group that's 10 times the size of mine. And she's got this, you know, amazing message and and when I clicked to give do a personal message with her, mm-hmm. I saw that she was in my group. You know, it says like groups that you're both members right. of. Yeah. I saw that she was in my group. And I was like, how is that possible that I didn't know? <laughs> like she'd been there for months and months. And I just had no idea. So anyway, we had our first conversation and, you know, probably ran about three and a half hours over time. And we have such a good time talking together. So we've been, we've been chatting regularly. Oh, I know. And I for the last few years. 
Yep. I, I know. I, long before I met you, I knew the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, so thank you for doing this. This, this conversation that we're having tonight is part of a series of interviews that I'm doing with divorced dads. Mm-hmm. Um, to have your perspective. Um, because like, let's say I know, I know your story from Lori's side. I know how part of what I loved so much about her is, well, both of you guys, your sense of humor, but like that she is so raw about her (laughs) own, you know, um, her own role in creating her own misery as a stepmom. And, right. and about this kind of light bulb moment that she had when, when the marriage counselor that you guys brought on like at the 11th hour to kind of try to pull it out of the fire before you called it quits, um, that she was making fun of him when, you know, drove away saying, Lori, they're nacho kids, Lori, they're nacho kids. And, and that it, it's a joke on her, you know, it's not a joke that she invented on about the kids. The joke mm-hmm. is on her. And I think that's, anyway, I think a lot of people don't understand that about her sense of humor, but I know her side of, or her, her take on how mm-hmm. it was for her. But tell us your story. You were a divorced dad with four little boys between the ages of five and five, <laughs> just about, <laughs> yeah. or seven and eight or something. Yes. So the, the part of the story that Lori doesn't tell you about the counselor uh, incident mm-hmm. is is that during the counseling session she stopped and she goes when are you going to talk to David <laughs> <laughs> and I was like there's nothing wrong with me I don't know why <laughs> uh, so uh no we uh we laugh about it now but it was not fun or funny uh, at the time it was uh it was a terrible time that we went through but to go back a few years um Let's see. I got divorced. Uh, the kids were, I have triplets and then I have one that's about a year and a half older. And so the triplets were, I think around seven when I got divorced. And so the oldest one would have been eight. And you say that like, it's just like, yeah, I, you know, you had, you had triplet little boys mm-hmm. and another little boy who was one and a bit year older. Like that's a right. really big mouthful of a situation to step into. Yeah. My, um, my, well, she was my wife at the time, but she went to the doctor to get checked, you know, cause we were expecting our second child and she come back and she had been showing signs fairly rapidly. And I'm like, Oh man, I hope I don't have twins. <laughs> and, and so she calls me uh, on the way from, from back from the doctor's appointment. And she's like, well, good news. We don't have twins. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> and you can figure out the rest of the story oh my goodness (laughs) yeah the funniest thing that people would say to me when I told them is they would say to me what are you gonna do and I was like what (laughs) What do you you think I'm gonna do I mean you know we're gonna get a bigger car (laughs) right and so um I I did some things people would expect I got a big van to drive and I had to get a bigger house because we were in a really, really small starter home. But one thing that people didn't expect me to do is I actually quit my job and started my own business in the middle of all this. Wow. 
So the worst possible time you could do something like that, but you talking about motivation for success. <laughs> um, I was the only person bringing home money and I quit my job to start my own wow. you know, career path. That was Holy even looking David. back on it. Yeah. Even looking back on it. I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> wow. Wow. But it worked. It worked out. So. Very cool. Yeah. So fast forward then, um, Lori talks about how you guys really like tried so hard to be proactive and to like take courses and read books and visit counselors. And like, before you got married, you worked hard at trying to get your ducks in a row oh, to be yeah. successful. Yeah. When we, you know, we, we finally decided that we were going to get married. Uh, we did a lot of research and honestly, Lori did most of the research because I was the type of person that said, I'm, I'm kind of busy. You go <laughs> read the books and you do all this research and you let me know what we need to do. Um, you know, but she and I both, I mean, we're, I think we're very intelligent and I think we're very self-aware. And so, you know, as she's going through this, she's reading these things and it's like, oh, it takes seven years to blend and all these problems and everything. And I'm like, seven years, we'll do this in seven months. There's no way. Um, there's, there's no way we can't solve all these problems. And um, in my past life, I was a, a police officer. So a lot of what I did day in and day out was solving problems. And oftentimes it was domestic related mm -hmm. issues. And, and so I was very, very comfortable with facing domestic challenges and facing problems that most people will try to run away from and all those types of things. And, and, you know, she and I both come from relationships that were toxic and things happened to us. I don't want to throw the exes under the bus, but things happened to us that shouldn't happen. And so, you know, we both come through those things stronger and, and better and all that, but the blend just kicked our tail Oh my wow. gosh. You know, year one was okay. Um, but by the time we hit year two, we were in rapid decline. It was that's, bad. That's another interesting part of your story, I think, because to, to say that year one was okay, and then it went, you know, it kind of went sour around year two. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's kind of unexpected, or people wouldn't think that that's a pattern that you could expect to see like that. Maybe it would be really hard from the get go and little by little, it gets better. Yeah. I think for some people it, it is harder right out of the gate. It's almost like in a, in a first marriage, you know, the, the nuclear family thing, you kind of start out with the honeymoon phase. Things are yeah. easier than they get harder. Yeah. I think with step families, it's kind of the opposite. You jump yeah. in and it's hard immediately and then it gets easier down the road. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's a long ways down the road. So you have to perse <laughs> persevere a long time. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's not like the problems are turned up slowly. You know, you don't have time to adjust to them. They, they all get thrown at you quickly. Yeah. And I think that's why most people don't uh, survive it is because it's just, it's, it's rapid confusion and chaos. And oftentimes, when you start doing the trial and error of, well, this is not working for us. Let's try this. And that's not working for us or try this. Um, most people just give up because it's, yeah. it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you never know for sure if you're on the right track, like if uh, it, we're, we're going in the right direction, we just need to stick it out. Or are right. we actually going in the wrong direction? 
and the oh, end yeah. of this road is a dead end, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and what got us to, to that pro, that part of having all those issues was the fact that we were going a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction, but we didn't know that because, you know, we were smart, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we read everything that we could read at the time. There's a lot more resources now than there was back then. We just celebrated 11 years mm. last week. So um, it's been a while, but you know, the looking back on it, it's, it's like we we did what we thought was right. Honestly, thought was right. Nobody c- come in and and was doing anything malicious or you know trying to be the bad guy. But you know, on the other side of it, I can look back and see where I made all these mistakes of setting up the wrong expectations and and thinking that you know I, Lori's not just replacing a wife role, but I'll put also put her in the position of replacing a mother role, mm-hmm. which did not function well for us. Yeah. And I know, I know for some people it works for us, it did not work at all. And, and so that's, that's where it's difficult for people to figure those things out. And what makes it even tougher for people who are uh, going through these problems is that you you look at what's working or not working and then you reach out to somebody or you go to a Facebook group and they say that whatever you need to try this and that's the only way it's going to work. Mm. You, you know, I don't agree with X, Y, Z over here. You got to do this. And there are so many ways that humans function. And mm. when you put the complexities of a step family and a blended family together, those challenges are even harder and so it's, it is a journey oftentimes to find what works. And I think some people lose sight of that. And, and we just had an interview yesterday, actually, with somebody on our podcast that, that, that disagrees with nachoing, completely mm-hmm. disagrees with it, which is absolutely fine. I don't care that you disagree with it. Yeah. Um, just understand what it actually is. Right. Before it's good you if disagree. you, exactly. Yeah, before you disagree with it, yeah. which quite frankly, doesn't happen very often. Yeah. You're they, disagreeing they, with some idea that you have. That's not it at all. Yeah. That, well, they disagree with what they heard about it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how many times do I disagree with what I hear? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then when you find out what it really is, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it's a similar thing, but that's part of the, what drives me crazy about people that are out there trying to push help on people. And I'm not talking about people like like you and us that are doing this as a as a business or yeah. a, a counseling and coaching. Yeah. I'm talking about just people that are willing to give you their opinion. Yeah. And um, you know, the people are hurting. They're trying to find answers. They think that if they go somewhere where there's hundreds and hundreds of people, that they're likely to get a pretty good answer. Yeah. And oftentimes that's that's not the case. Everybody. Oh, I uh, I totally agree. I wrote. I wrote a blog post way back. I can't remember what I called it, but it was really about like, you have to think about where you're getting your advice because like 60 to 70% of second marriages are going over the, onto the rocks, right? <laughs> going mm-hmm. over the cliff and 70 to 80% of third marriages. So yeah. you're, you're talking to women who have a two out of three chance of being on the road to losing their marriage. Mm-hmm. And those are the people who are giving you advice. Right. You, yeah. you don't necessarily just want to take advice from people who are, like you just said, going 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction. And they're right. totally convinced that what they're doing is right. And yeah. statistically speaking, 
two thirds of them are as wrong as wrong could be. <laughs> and you can't convince them otherwise. You can't convince them otherwise. And it's going to be, <clears throat> it's going to happen in a, in a, the blink of an eye mm-hmm. that it goes, that it goes sour and they can't pull it out. So. Yeah. And the other yeah. thing too, is understanding that what works for you may not work for somebody else. Right. And, and that's okay. If it doesn't <laughs> work for you, the thing you don't tell somebody, well, if it didn't work for you, there's something wrong with you. It's if it didn't work for you, then let's figure out what does work for you. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the first person to tell you, and so is Lori, Nacho Kids method is not for everybody. Um, but most people can implement at least portions of it. Yeah. And yeah. so find what works for you, use that and things that aren't working for you. Look for somebody else that can give you some information. There's a lot of absolutely fantastic people out there. Absolutely. Yeah. We met a whole bunch of them um, <laughs> this year alone, eh? And we were we were both just involved in the Step Family Summit 2020 last month or the month before, whenever it was. And oh, like some of those people, I hadn't ever heard them speak before, and I was just in awe of the the really great, sort of really loving, wise, solid advice that came out of those people. It was that was a wonderful thing. It's wonderful to know that there are so many. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because, I mean, you, you know, this, there are, there are people that, that you and I talk to and they're, they're teaching things like co-parenting and stuff like that and having a fabulous relationship with the ex. And I'm, that is not a path that I came down, but, <laughs> but I will, I will never look at that and go, Oh, that'll never work. Or you shouldn't yeah. listen to that. That is, it is just as valid as what I'm yeah. telling people. It's just that that wasn't the path that, that we went down and that's not how we can help people. No, I, I totally agree. But I think it's incredibly valuable to your audience that both of you are participating and you, they, you know, the, the dads have your perspective there as well as Lori's. Yeah. It, um, it, it's, it's fun. Sometimes we get on the coaching calls when we have couples there yeah. and um, oftentimes you'll start seeing the dynamic of how the difference between communication happens between yeah. men and women we just had a coaching call last week and there was, I think there were four uh, couples on that coaching call. And so one of the women were there was talking about how she asked her husband to do something. And when she described it, I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> believe you did that. Every single woman in there was like, what was wrong with that? <laughs> and every guy in there was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and so it, it was, it's fantastic yeah. to be able to go through that and say, let's, let's look at how you say something and how somebody else actually hears something. It's very different because we communicate differently, Yeah. but, uh, but that's fun. It's so oh, fun. That's great. I would love to know from your perspective. Um, uh, so you just said a minute ago that you feel now in retrospect that you made a mistake having a kind of expectation that Lori was going to take on a mother role for your mm-hmm. kids right. and that, and that somehow she, you know, she really took that to heart and then she found it frustrating that she was mothering them in a different way from what you expected and what, from what the kids were willing to accept, which is a big, a big issue actually in mm-hmm. a step family that right. the kids don't necessarily have to take what you're trying to give them. And that can create a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So where were you standing when this was all going down that like that the kids weren't listening to her and she didn't know what to do. And 
you didn't know what to do. What, what was that like on the inside for you? Um, I equate it to putting my head in a vice and then Ooh. twisting it down as, <laughs> as tight as I can get it. It was so much pressure on both sides because it was, and for me, it was even more than just one, two sides because I live very close to my family and we have a tight knit family. And so when my kids would complain about stepmom, Lori, um, they would go to my sister's house or they go to my parents' house, mm. you know, their grandparents. And so not only did I have Lori, you know, talking about how the kids weren't listening to her and, and they weren't doing this and they weren't doing that. Mm. And, the, and the kids like, I don't like her. She needs to go away. And mm. then, and then now my family, you know, Lori's now in-laws, mm. <laughs> my family's like, you know, they're pressuring me too. Like, you need to do something about this. Your kids are miserable. And, oh you, man, you know, you know, you, you're going to, if you can't fix this, you're going to get rid of her. I mean, it was just, it got Ooh. bad. It got bad. I, the, I can't even describe to you how bad things got in a way that you would even comprehend it. It was to the point where she and I literally could not stand each other. Oh man. When we, when we went to, when we went to a counseling session after our kind of last big fight mm-hmm. and we were like, okay, I looked at her and I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm yeah. just done. And, and so she was like, I think it was just like the next day. She's like, she said, well, if I get a, an appointment to go talk to our, somebody in our church, will you go? And I'm like, yeah, I'll go. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, not get help if I can get help. So, um, but we drove separately. We couldn't even be in the same car oh, together. Man. Yeah. We drove separately. We sit across the room from each other and the counselors were between us. Like we were going to attack each other or something. Wow. <laughs> and, and I remember uh, right before we started or right as we started, one of them looked at me and he said, um, the first question they didn't know is, um, do you want to stay married? And my response was not like this. Wow. You know, uh, and you know, and that was my whole point. It wasn't that I didn't want to be married to Lori is this. I didn't want to be married to Lori like this. Something had to change and we could not figure out what we were doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that some of the things that we figured out worked for us were completely opposite than what we thought was, would work for us. Like what? Well, we were trying, I think we were trying in a lot of ways to mimic the nuclear families that we came from. And so part of that was, you know, very, like I said earlier, a lot of the expectations that uh, I put on Lori really set her up for failure. And so I, you know, I, I tell people that there's, there's usually two roles. You have a mom role and then you have a a wife role and, and people don't think to separate those. Yeah. And so you bring stepmom in and I even got to the point where I don't even like the word stepmom because it has the word mom in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I understand this doesn't fit for everybody. So don't, I'm not saying this is a blanket statement for everybody, but for us having that separate uh, role is something I didn't do. I brought her in. I'm like, I have a new wife and a new mom for the kids yeah. because I didn't want anything to do with the ex. Like I wanted her out of my life. She wasn't really involved actually with the kids, right? Yeah. Not initially. She wasn't uh, heavily involved. She was kind of out doing her own thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then after a year or so, she kind of decided that she wanted to get get 50, 50 custody. And and so we went down that whole path, but initially I had them probably 85% of the time. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, things were easier then because we had them more. 
she was not very involved. And, and then when she decided to get involved, there was started to become a lot of pushback with, right. you know, you're not their mom, you shouldn't be right. doing this for them. And of course, you know, she would talk to the kids about how they shouldn't listen to her or uh, yeah, they shouldn't listen to her and they can't love her and stuff like that. And it was just, you know, a lot of toxic stuff in, in that regard. But um, I mean, there was just a lot of ways that, that we just entered into doing things incorrectly. Do you think, I, I know this is totally hypothetical question, but just hearing you describe that, do you think that if, if the bio mom of your, if the mom of your kids had not come back into their lives in that way and had not pushed back that it, you, it probably could have worked the way you were doing it? Or was it just like destined eventually to fall apart? We, we already had problems that just magnified them and okay. made them, made them worse and it made them worse faster. Okay. So it, it's almost like, um, you know, if you're, if you're going in the wrong direction at 30 miles an hour versus hundred miles an hour, <laughs> okay. you're just getting, you're just getting to the wrong place faster. And that's kind of what we were doing. Okay. And, and so uh, the kids, you know, they already were fussing because, um, she had to get them up in the morning and, and get them going. Cause I, at the time I had a job, I had to be at work at four o'clock in the morning. Ooh. So she had all the responsibility of getting them up, getting them dressed. They weren't morning kids. Mm. And so they're already grumpy yeah. and she's in a hurry. Yeah. She's pushing them. Um, they don't, she like has one it. of her own too. I didn't say that out loud, but she has also a little boy, right? So there were five right. little boys in this right. house. Yeah. So she, she comes in, I mean, looking at it from her standpoint, she comes in, uh, Jackson's, I think four when we got married. So she's got a four-year-old, she's got three, eight-year-olds and a nine-year-old. Wow. All of a sudden she went from having to get one little kid yeah. up, get him ready, you know, have a nice little leisurely morning yeah. to all of a sudden it's like, you know, all heck breaking loose every single morning to wow. get those kids out the door on time. Yeah. And, um, you know, and if they're late, I'm, I'm calling Lori. Why is the school calling me? And they're late, you know, because I'm like, this is your responsibility to get them there on time. <laughs> and so uh, it, it was just a lot. It was a lot to throw at her and then expect her to do that. And, um, and I think, I think a lot of dads do that and I don't think they're doing it to be malicious. I think it's like, Oh, great. Somebody's here to help. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the, the downside is I think sometimes men, when we start getting that help, we start, at the same time we're getting the help, we're also not helping in return. We're mm -hmm. kind of just letting the reins go and say, and saying, yeah. thank goodness. Somebody else yeah. has got this. I can go do something else. Yeah. And, um, and that's really not fair for the stepmom. Yeah, for sure. Um, I kind of, my little analogy that I, that I use, nobody else will be able to see this, but you, cause you're <laughs> looking at me on zoom, but but they'll pretend to see that I'm, you know, holding a pen and it represents a, a board or a log or whatever it is. And, and that the, you know, the biological parents are each at one end holding up this, this log or board that their kids are sitting in the middle of. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and when they get divorced, it's not like the log breaks in half and the kids double themselves. And then there's a new mom and dad at the, each end of two smaller sticks, you know, <laughs> it's, you're, you're forever whole, each holding one end of the same stick and the parenting belongs to the two of you. Mm -hmm. And the, the stepmom can come along 
and not help you to hold up your end, the stepmom comes along and holds an umbrella and she brings a chair for you to sit down. She'll bring you a beer and a sandwich and she can bring you the flipper of the TV and she can you know, talk to you and tell you stories and hold your hand and encourage you. But she is not holding on to your end of the log while you go off and do something else. You're right. not taking turns holding right. up your end. Your end belongs to you. Yeah, that's and, a fantastic analogy. And nobody can take it from you the ki- because the kids don't want anyone to take it from you. The ki- kids only want to be parented by their parents. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they, like, I, I know for sure that Lori has a beautiful relationship with your kids, oh, which, yeah. which thankfully grew out of the nacho method because it's not only disengaging, you know, it's about re-engaging in the right way. Mm-hmm. And I have a fantastic relationship with my stepkids but I am not, well, things go sour in my house when I get carried away and I try to, I try to hold on. I try to bear some of the load mm-hmm. of that log with my husband. It's not my job to parent. And, yeah. and in my case, it's uh, a little bit the reverse picture because sometimes I feel that he's being too hard on them and I want to take their side and say, and say, Oh, come on now that now you're being too harsh. Like, uh, I think, you know, I think your boy is like really put in a lot of hours today working. He's doing a great job. Like you, you know, and he, my husband is like, you get out of the way. This is not (laughs) your, and we've, you know, kind of come to blows over me being on their side a little bit, the kids. Mm -hmm. So I'm not complaining that he's not like pulling his weight. I sometimes complain that in, you know, for my ideal way of parenting, that he's coming on too strong. But, but what I've learned over the years is that when I get out of the way, they, they have this authentic experience of each other, the dad and his kids, my husband and his kids, Mm -hmm. and that, and that they learn to effectively stick up for themselves with their dad. And Um, you know, we had, I don't know, it was something over the summer, my gosh, like they were both here for the whole of the lockdown period for we were four months in the house together, like just, it was kind of insane. And at one point, I was watching my husband, kind of perpetually poking his son in a not a nice way about something. And I really I bit my lip so many times. And, and when I finally found a way to say as gently as I could, you know, I think maybe, you know, he, I think maybe he doesn't appreciate how you do this or whatever. My husband held up a hand and he said, you can stop right there. He's already reamed me out about that. (laughs) And I was so happy that, that I, that I didn't step in and interfere because it created, it left space for them to resolve it between the two of them, which is the perfect outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame that people especially parents, we, we take that ability away from our kids. And sometimes even adults, we take, we take the ability to learn coping skills, to learn conflict resolution skills, because we're too quick to jump in and save everybody. And, and I'll be honest with you from a parenting standpoint, especially me having four small kids, it was sometimes difficult not to jump in quickly because it's like, I, this is chaotic. I need you to stop. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, hush, stop screaming, stop hollering, whatever. But once I got to the point where I could say, let's let them fight it out a little bit, not necessarily go to blows, even though there was a few times they did, yeah. but let's let them fight it out a little bit and let them learn how to, to deal with each other and figure out how they're going to solve this problem. And, yeah. and they become so much better off for that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I know my husband's line from when he was, from the time when my husband was living with his ex-wife and their kids, um, he would tell me that his ex-wife would often say to him, do something. <laughs> You're not doing anything. Do something. And he would say, well, what do you want me to do? Like, this is, they're going to find out that the thing is going to break and then they won't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Or you know, the son number two is going to find out that when he keeps bugging son number one, he's going to get clocked in the head and then he's going to cry. Like that's the outcome. Like I'm not going to, I can't jump in to everything. Yeah. Cause then you remove the consequences, let the consequences happen and then they can see what the outcome is. Yeah. But yeah. And, And you brought up a good point too earlier where you said something to the effect of, um, your parenting versus his parenting. And uh, I think that's a, that's a huge thing that people don't often realize right off is that one parent or step parent will feel that the other person is not parenting correctly or as good as, as they could do it. And it's, it's very freeing when people start thinking that um, I parent different than him or I parent different than her. And that's, completely okay. Yeah. And, and they're the parent of that kid or the kids. They know best. They oftentimes there's a different way that people can handle that kid and you're not even seeing what's happening. Yeah. You know, oftentimes Lori would say something to me where your kid did something, whatever, how did you handle it? You know, basically she would say, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) And so I had, you know, I had four kids. All of them had a different way I had to handle them. Some of them, I, had to fuss with other ones. I had to be a lot more harsh with some of them. I just walk up to, and I just say, you know, I'm very disappointed and they would bawl and cry. (laughs) I mean, you know, it was, it was, they would rather me take a belt and tear them up with it than to tell them that. And so, and she doesn't know that she wouldn't know that, but I'm the, I'm the parent. I understand what I need to do to, to get through to them. And so her, her looking at that was, He's not parenting or not parenting the way I think he should. And honestly, what was happening was I was parenting exactly the way it needed to happen. Yeah. I have to tell you, um, there's a, I watched randomly one of your videos that you were doing one time and it was, you had one of your sons on and mm-hmm. Lori, uh, do you know the, the story that I'm going to tell? It I don't was, know the story. I, don't I, don't, story. I can't remember which son it was. But Lori had taken tremendous exception to the fact that this boy had studied together with some friends for a test and that they shared their, their, you know, their shared knowledge. It was a math test of some kind. And Lori's like a real math person. So she really like mm-hmm. took special offense to this. And they'd each studied a different part of what they had to know. And then mm-hmm. they kind of shared their notes or something like that. And she completely considered that to be cheating. Mm-hmm because they found an efficient way of studying that wasn't so long. And she wanted you to kind of punish him for cheating on a math test. And you said, 
I happen to think that's very resourceful. <laughs> like, I think that's like, what's wrong with that? That's a, that's a great way to, you know, go about it. And, and it was such an enlightening moment because, well, partly because, you know, you're, you're all such lighthearted people, but, but she was like really intensely feeling like you are learning the wrong life lessons by doing this. Like you are like are cheating. You're taking a shortcut. It's not going to serve you in the long term. And, you know, you did this bad thing and you were sitting there saying, I think he learned a great life lesson. It's fantastic to cooperate. Look what they accomplished in less time and whatever. So that's exactly where you're saying like both of you can have approached the very same situation with a Mm -hmm. completely different mindset of where you're coming from and what it means. And ultimately you are the dad of that kid Mm -hmm. and her idea of how it doesn't fit in with the way that she was raised or what her ideals are or her values or whatever, like you, as a stepmom, you got to let go of that. Yeah. And and one comment I hear stepmoms sometimes make that really gets them in trouble most of the time is they'll say, I have earned the right to parent this kid. And I think that gets them in so much trouble that they don't have to be in. Yeah. Because it's, it is very freeing to know that you don't have the responsibility of raising this other kid for most of them. And I know some of them out there do, but you don't have this responsibility, but yet you're taking it on because you feel like you've quote unquote earned it, yeah. which, which usually means I've earned the right to tell them what to do and punish them when they don't do it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, and I call that throwing yourself under the bus. Yeah. And it's like, why you, would you do that to yourself? <laughs> you can't, you can't do that. And I mean, there are some kids you can walk into their life and they will let you do that. And they're not complaining about it. And there are other kids that will try to find a way to poison your coffee. If you yeah. do that. Yeah. And you know, you don't have that relationship. There's no other place in your life where you walk in the door and you start demanding things and it go well for you. You know, if you did that in your job, you kick in the door and you're like, I'm here, I'm the boss. And this is the way it's going to be. People are going to rebel against you. They're going to quit. They're going to make your life miserable. Why why do we think that kids are going to be any different? Adults would absolutely have mutiny on the bounty if you did it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I I think it's really, um, like you said, it's important to take a bigger perspective and try to see how this how this situation would look in, in another arena of your life. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's easy for us to forget that as adults, we first of all, enjoy a huge degree of control over the situation that the kids do not have at all. It's not the adults who are moving every week into another house, mm-hmm. you know, and some people do, by the way, they keep one home and the, mom and dad take turns living in that home where the kids live and they each have another apartment. It's not financially sustainable for most people, but, but that would be, if you think about it, if you think about what a drag that would be, like that's what the kids are living through. And it's not just because they have a bedroom and some stuff at your house that it's, that it's okay. I talked to another dad who uh, um, maybe his episode will be up already um Stéphane Jutra who has a podcast called the Divorce Dad Diaries oh nice and he did a really beautiful interview with his daughter and another one with his son and the the son is about 14 and the daughter's around 18 now 
And she said that the number one thing that she can't wait to change, you know, like she can't wait to have her own, her very own place. Mm -hmm. She said, so that I don't have to every day be making a choice about where I should be. And that I know that the choice is hurting my mom or my dad, even if they tell me that it's not, I know that it is. And, you know, these are parents who tried so hard to um, give the kids a kind of liberty like by not imposing and saying, here's how it has to be. And you have to, you know, obey these rules. You're going to be one week here and one week here. And that's the end of the story. They've tried to say, you know, here's the structure that we think is going to work, but you guys can always say, if you, you know, if you want to stay extra days here, or you want to spend an extra week there, or you want to today, you know, Saturday night, you want to be at dad's house, you can decide. And the liberty to decide also gave her the responsibility of hurting one of her parents every single day. And yeah. uh, she feels that so strongly. And that had really never occurred to me before. But it's yeah. a hard thing, whether it's hard if you're being told where you have to be. And yeah. it's hard if you're not being told where you have to be. It's just yeah. hard. That's one of the mistakes that I made as a dad, when I would take my kids for the drop off, the, the exchange, whatever you want to yeah. call it, yeah. you know, the kid swap. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would, I would go through this whole thing about, Oh, I'm going to miss y'all so much. And I hate you have to go. And just this whole production that I did looking back on it. And I think at the time I thought it was kind of like, I want you to know, I'm going to miss you. I didn't think about the fact that it puts my kids in a position to where they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm hurting my dad by, by going to moms. And then mom's probably doing the same thing. hurting mom going back. I didn't think of it. Didn't think yeah. about it a bit. And, you know, yeah. now that I'm older and wiser, I'm like, oh my gosh, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they turned out to be good kids. Yeah. And I, don't think, I don't think they're going to have to have counseling, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I could have done better with that. I just didn't even, didn't even think about really what I might be conveying to them. What I thought I was conveying was that I'm going to miss you and I love you and all that. But I don't think that that's a hundred percent of how they felt. Yeah. And I think, to hear you say that, um, I think it's really nice as a kind of antidote to what we often think about the moms who, like you say, do the same thing. And we would call that like doing a head number on the kids, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to miss you so much while you're at your dad's, you know, now, like we think of that as being a kind of evil um <laughs> you know, plotting to, to get the affections away from the dad or whatever. But here's you saying like, you did the same thing with no ill intent. You think that you want them to know actually that you, they're secure in your love while you're not with them. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes we could, I don't know, give a few, a little tiny break to the other side, to the other side when they do that. Um, you know, I'm going to miss you so much thing because it's, it's kind of natural. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times people are are really trying to just figure things out. I mean, this whole blended thing, there's not a, here's your instruction manual, just follow this. I mean, it's very different for everybody. And, and so you try to figure out what's going to work for you. And like I said, in the beginning, we oftentimes you fall back on what was working in, in a prior relationship but the prior relationship typically was very different. The dynamics were different. You were with the biological parent of these kids and all those things. And so all that stuff that was working fine 
Well, I guess it wasn't all working fine. You wouldn't be divorced (laughs) unless you had like a death or something, but, uh, but all those things that, that you were comfortable with and all that, they just don't often don't work in a blended family. So any parting, parting words of advice for divorced dads, whether they're in a blended family or not? Um, I think for, on the dad side, I would, I would say, you know, be very intentional in your actions, being a, being a father and being a stepdad and also being a husband and have grace, have mercy and all that, but just be very intentional about that. Don't take anything for granted. Understand that you have a role to play and you have to understand what that role is. And it's probably not the one you thought it was. Hmm. And so, and so figure, figure that out. And there's plenty of people out there that are, that are there to help you with that, but figure that out and it will make your life so much easier, so much less stressful, so much more love in the relationship with everybody. And you can avoid all these things that I told you I did wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate you being here and we'll probably find an excuse to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, Say hi to Lori. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Like David says, you're welcome to disagree about the Nacho Kids method but it would be good to actually know what it is first. You can't just go by what you hear on social media. You know, there are over 10,000 people in the Nacho Kids Facebook group, and 99% of them are not studying with Laurie and David inside the Nacho Kids Academy, watching training videos and pulling apart their own unique family situations on the live coaching calls. That means... 99% of the Nacho Kids group don't even really know how it's done, never mind the people in other Facebook groups. Truly, you can't make a mistake here. Whether you're a divorced dad, a stepmom, or even as a couple, go try out nachokidsacademy.com slash theessentialstepmom and give them a month to convince you that this method can change your life. If it's not your jam, they'll refund the big old $50 investment so you won't be out a dime. These people have been down so many roads, you'd have to be really stubborn not to trust their directions. If you go to nachokidsacademy.com slash theessentialstepmom and try it out for a month at no risk, a portion of your membership fee will even come back to support this podcast. What a win-win. The Essential Stepmom Podcast is produced by me, Tracy Poisner. And before I sign off, I want to thank all the women who reached out to tell me that my Facebook group is such a great resource, they just wish there could be one just like it for the dads. So I made one. It's called One for the Dads. And you can join if you're a dad. Just go on Facebook and send a request to One for the Dads. You'll also notice that I changed the name of my official Facebook page, it's now called Essential Stepmom Undeletable Dad. Undeletable Dad is also the name of my group coaching program that helps divorced or separated dads 
permanently restore the healthy parenting bond with their kids that's being damaged by ongoing conflict or interference or even by parental alienation. You'll also learn exactly how to respond to a high-conflict co-parent in a way that makes your home a more peaceful place and to document your new parenting tools in a convenient weekly log so you're ready for any future challenge to your fitness as a dad. And next week, I'll be giving a three-day mini-training, a little sneak preview of this program, right inside the One for the Dads Facebook group. It's free, and all dads are welcome. You just have to join, because it's a closed group that makes it private. I'll put the link in the show notes for you. If you want to jump right to the head of the line and get on the wait list for Undeletable Dad, shoot me a message or book a call. I'll put the link to reach me in the show notes as well.